everybody thank you for your patience as we did other things for a couple of weeks uh, including visiting family and you know taking care of human stuff that's the life pro tip is uh not saying i'm sorry i'm late it's saying thank you for your patience yeah oh i use it every day in an email for work when i just don't do something for a couple of days <laughs> we are back we are here with episode 41 we being me as in jake and across from me is evan i missed it so much so we're gonna rattle off some things that every other hockey podcast and hockey source has already talked a lot about <laughs> but it'll be better and funnier well, that's debatable maybe uh, <laughs> the drafts happened the expansion draft and the amateur draft and the whole thing leaked beforehand yeah and seattle takes to making their picks and kind of flubs it actual player selections were between like good occasionally to questionable to like what the fuck are you doing guys so questionable that my buddy and i were sitting at the bar watching it going oh well that pick means they clearly have a trade with that team mm-hmm. oh that and we said that like seven or eight times and exactly then there were no trades which was crazy because a there was some sort of a uh, hiatus on trades and so like people thought that maybe okay the trades are going to drop tomorrow the trades are going to drop later and then it was like oh no there are just actually no trades except for they sold vtech vanacek back to washington so like they did the thing that vegas did instantaneously like vegas like probably made a fucking app to make trades with other teams whereas seattle's like sending snail mail and like oh you want this player back that we picked off of your team. Basically, they're the uh, the sloth from the DMV in that one <laughs> Disney movie. Uh, we would like two round pick for your goalie back. The Caps ended up coming out ahead in mm-hmm. that in that situation. They yeah. they traded Brendan Dillon, who they didn't want on their team anyways who they wanted seattle to pick to get rid of for two second round picks and then used one of those second round picks to bring back vitek vanacek so they gained a second round pick and got cap space (laughs) wait it wait a wheel and deal seattle yeah and then seattle picks you know their goalie of the future for this week chris Dreiger, and then turns around and sides philip grubauer in free agency and a 29 year old goalie for like six years yeah. So instead of having an insanely overpriced goalie in Carey Price that they could have picked in the expansion draft, uh, they have two goalies that are paid just as much as that one guy and um, not a whole lot proven between the two of them. Well, no, I Grubauer is a very good goalie. I think, mm-hmm. you know, part of that was a product of playing in Colorado, which is an excellent team. But right. he also, you know, he was very good for a long time in Washington. He is talented. Yes. He hasn't ever gotten over the cap hump or the cup hump. But I think there's a lot of talent there. And Chris Dreiger was far and away the best goalie in Florida last mm-hmm. year, you know, despite the late appearances of Spencer Knight. So I think their goalie situation looks good really good i think their defensive situation looks 
<laughs> like fairly solid. They've hoarded all of the like middle pairing defensemen that they could get. Yeah, they have Mark Giordano, who is like still a first pairing defenseman, mm-hmm. but but then who else? Yeah, nobody. And then they gave out a bunch of no trade clauses. Like Ron Francis was handing them out. Like Oprah hands out hams. <laughs> like it was it was ridiculous. He just saw what Ken Holland is doing a little bit north of him and decided if, he needed to get on the party. If there is any one person you should not model your GM career after, it's Ken Holland post two thousand eight. Yeah, the dude is terrible. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what seattle's doing i don't know if seattle knows what seattle's doing uh, they still have a ton of cap space you know what seattle is doing is throwing fish that was a horse or fish that they beat repeatedly in the live broadcast in which they threw a fish to they threw a fish to jt brown and jt brown made a great catch on the fish also they did a fish throwing draft pick at pike's place market I mean, overall, the best moment was probably Marshawn Lynch screwing up names. That was fun. I liked the uh, the octopus. The octopus picked uh, uh, Dennis Chalowski off of the Detroit Red Wings, which was the only surprise or uh, the only, only piece of yeah. drama in the entire thing because it got leaked beforehand. The only pick that I think I think Elliot Friedman or Frank Saravelli hadn't <laughs> hadn't announced beforehand. That part was. Kind of a bummer, but also highly predictable by how they set this up. I mean, if you give all this league-wide investigative reporters 10 hours to figure out who your draft pick is, like, they're going to do it. These people have networks. They have people that talk to them. Like Their title is NHL Insider. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They're going to find it. So that's kind of it. Seattle has a hockey team now, and we're excited to watch them start. They start with their kind of barnstorming tour of whl barnes and then they play the knights which is pretty apropos in a opener on october 23rd so from the expansion draft we quickly transitioned to the amateur draft this week like it happened two days later two days later and and yeah one two punch extraordinaire the amateur draft was largely a snooze fest there were some good things and there were some horrific things (laughs) yeah let's just breeze through the good things real quick because nobody wants to hear about that uh, Owen Powers is. hair goes number one all, overall as predicted it's his flow is already generous and beautiful never if, mind the fact that he's six foot six and a very good defensive prospect yeah if he doesn't get a suave commercial out of this <laughs> I don't know who does Owen Power future great clips <laughs> spokesperson <laughs> Poor guy. Look at bad bad haircuts for life. Michigan had four of the top five picks and five picks in the first round. They had a day. That's never happened before in any major professional sport in the United States. So that was pretty outrageous. That's pretty sweet. And also kind of speaks to where college hockey has gotten to now. You know, it it used to be a place where you would kind of go to maybe revive, but probably put your career to bed. Now it's a place where the best draft prospects are playing as they tune up for the NHL. So yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty cool. Well, I mean, the way college hockey is gone, there are a lot of people who get into the into the NCAA at like 22, 23 mm-hmm. after playing in like the USHL for a while or mm-hmm. these other uh, smaller leagues. That was the putting your career to bed part. Yeah. So that still <laughs> happens. But because of that, the like megastars like Jack Eichel mm-hmm. and... Uh, Cole Caulfield and probably, well, maybe not Owen Power because he went to Buffalo, but like, (laughs) you know, these 
extremely talented guys can go to college and they're playing against adults. You know, they're playing against 23, 24 year olds, which is what they'll face in the NHL. So they're getting that kind of experience. But they also get to go to college for a year and figure that what that's like, you know, like normal people. We always joke about this in like the NFL offseason, but it would be really interesting to put up Michigan's maybe just like their top line against Buffalo and their top line. Like that would be is Jack Eichel hurt? Yes. Okay. And they traded Sam Reinhart. Let's just I'm just okay. I'm sorry. This is that was a this wing is, of a thought experiment, but, but I think it's kind of funny. It's great. Let's see. What would their top line be right now? So it'd be like Victor Olofsson, Dylan Cousins, Anders Bjork. And then who's and then on the back end you have Darlene and Darlene and probably Henry Jokaharju. Yeah, eh, eh. but their goalies are Aaron Dell and Craig Anderson. Michigan's goalie <laughs> is like a, to- a second round draft pick. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So and then that would it, for Michigan that would be uh, Matt Berniers, Ken oh, Johnson, Ken Johnson. That's what I was thinking. Thomas Bordalo, who was a second round pick last year. Go go uh, Bordalo, and then the big. <laughs> And then Owen Power and Luke Hughes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that would be at least at the very least an interesting game. If you if you make it to Beauty League and make them play roller hockey and uh, you know no real checking or offsides, that would probably also help the Michigan kids. I think Michigan wins this. <laughs> I'm not gonna it lie. would at the very least and- be more entertaining than like what was the team that. They would always say, like, let's play the Browns against Alabama or something. Or the Lions. Yeah. yeah. Alabama would have beat the Lions last year. Michigan has Mel Pearson on the bench, who is an established college hockey coach who, you know, he coached under Red Berenson for like, more than a decade and then rebuilt Michigan Tech and is now the driving force between behind all of these guys going to Michigan. And the Sabres have Dan Granato. Who, I mean, it's was sort fine. of a celebrated college coach in his own right. Yeah, right. but like, so the amateur draft happened, some fun stuff happened. Michigan would definitely beat Buffalo. And, <laughs> and then... You're saying that too excitedly. Uh, sorry. And then... <laughs> Logan Mayo got drafted. Fuck this. The- yeah, it's so dumb. He specifically asked not to be drafted. And maybe he learned a little bit about consent in this draft. I'm so fucking upset by this. Right. If you need to draft a PR statement prior to picking a player, you probably should not pick that player. Let's just make that a rule. Or as you'll see later in the episode, sign that player. Mm-hmm. Um, this didn't need to happen. Let him go back to the OHL. Sit for a year. He may actually improve his draft position. Like it was, and you know, prove that he's a decent human being. Yeah, he might actually learn something. And instead of him saying, I made a mistake, he might actually say, I committed an offense that is, uh, do you call that sexual assault? I don't know. I mean, sexual misconduct. Yeah. uh, I think that's probably the best way to cage it. But so like a bunch of grown men in Montreal keep saying mistake, mistake, mistake. He fucking ruined a girl's life. Hopefully not forever, but certainly in the interim. Right. And has not yet apologized to the satisfactory or the satisfaction of the victim, which is the person that you have to apologize to satisfactorily. You have to appease them. You ruin their fucking life. Yeah. She's still out there saying this is not this did not meet what I need out of this situation. Exactly. She's still saying that Logan has no idea what he's done to her and the gravity of this situation. He can say I understand the gravity of the situation all he wants, but until that victim feels like he does, 
He doesn't. Yeah, his agent can put out press Shitty release after press statements, <laughs> but uh, that doesn't do anything to really help him. You know, a, it, he needs to show that he's remorseful and he needs to show some culpability. It's a bunch of old white dudes protecting a young white dude because he's pretty good at hockey. Mm-hmm. It's fucking baffling. Which is a, a theme that we will find throughout this episode and probably throughout this the season of yeah. hockey and the future of hockey. Yeah, I mean it was it was kind of hard after seeing some really good things happen in the off season to see Logan Mayo go kind of where he was predicted to be picked in the draft as opposed to seeing him maybe slide and then learn a lesson or two. Afterwards, Montreal has not done themselves or this pick any service either. I mean, the, what, 23 seconds of silence that the assistant GM put together when asked about this? Yeah. Because he was legitimately thinking that the reporters wouldn't fucking ask him? <laughs> like, that speaks to, A, how coddled these front offices are with relation to the media when they don't think that the obvious questions won't get asked because they have so much power over the media through access that they expect, oh, you're just not going to ask the tough questions. And so when they ask the tough question, he just sits there dumbfounded for 25 seconds going, oh, yeah. If you're out in the world and you haven't seen the video yet, it's painful and damning. in a great way yeah damning like, like i'm so glad that he had that shitty experience because his shitty franchise <laughs> did a shitty thing <laughs> that's better than far better than ken holland getting zoom bombed with people making fun of him trading for duncan keith like yeah and those zoom bombers being actual reporters <laughs> uh montreal said we wanted to take him, but our next pick was at 63, so we figured we had to take him with our first round. That means he's the player that they zoomed in on. He's the one guy out of all of the guys in this fucking draft. The one guy that they knew they had to take was the guy who had put a young woman's life in the hands of a bunch of other young boys. Yeah, and they didn't try and like get him at you know, value, get him sliding down the board because of character concerns. No, they spent their max draft capital on this guy. And also the fact that they were worried that he wouldn't be there at 63 says a lot of shit about the rest of the teams in the NHL. Because let's not let's not say that this is a Montreal thing. It's clearly a Montreal thing, but it's an NHL thing because somebody else was going to draft him too. Yeah, Montreal as a microcosm of the what is wrong with the NHL and, the, and hockey culture. Speaking of what's wrong with the NHL and hockey culture, Stan Bowman, in one of his many pitiful efforts to deflect from the sexual assault and harassment scandal in Chicago, leading up to the draft, decided to say, okay, we're going to make it a centerpiece to put women in our kind of draft coverage. Fine. Like, the Chicago Blackhawks do employ a lot of women. They they have, for years, had a relatively forward-thinking kind of hiring process. But the way that they kind of paraded them out was like, look, we hire women. How could we possibly be involved in a sexual assault and harassment scandal? Because we hire all these women and we're such nice guys. You know, we're all fathers of daughters and we hire women. Did you know that we hire women? We hire women. When Chicago is finally forced to change their name, it should just be the Chicago Barstools <laughs> because it's the same fucking thing that they do with their yeah, higher right. echelon women in power thing. It's fuck like they should be the chicago call me daddies like <laughs> fuck off with yourself chicago the still somehow employed stan bowman is yeah. out here wheeling and dealing and stand like, by me stan bowman like 
let's not even forget the fact that he gave Seth Jones a massive contract days after this, which is also befuddling. This in a microcosm by, and I'm I'm making a box with my hands while we're <laughs> sitting micro, here talking. Micro microcosm is is fucking absurd. Like all of these women on stage looking like hostages of Stan Bowman, <laughs> and then he like turns it over to one of them to to announce the pick, and then he just stands there like a foot and a half away from her, like staring into her head, <laughs> and it's like. It's like, do what I say or you're out of a job. Like, it, it just had this, like, creepy, I am holding this over you vibe the entire time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was I was watching the draft in my bedroom because my wife had the TV in the living room. And I okay. was like, fuck it. I'll, yeah, whatever. Also, it's the NHL draft. It's not as exciting as one might think. And so <laughs> I'm watching it and I am angrily tweeting about the Logan Mayo draft pick when Stan fucking Bowman walks out and I'm like, I've already spent all of my rage on Logan Mayu. What do <laughs> no, I do? Right. It was a one-two punch of just shit. I like. I legitimately. My wife, who cares about sports zero percent all the time, <laughs> I walked out into the living room and sat down, and she's like, "Why are you so pissed off?" And I was like, "I'm gonna tell you about sports. I'm sorry." And I told her, and she was like, "Yeah, that fucking pisses me off." And I was like, "Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thank you, sports, for providing us with much." consternation that we can share with the women in our lives as as if i didn't have enough consternation from the world already the sport i love the most shivved me again (laughs) like twice (laughs) yeah it's enough to make me yell on my podcast so while we're yelling we're just not going to stop yelling we're just going to run through all of the things that uh pissed us off about the past couple of weeks in the nhl offseason because sadly there was a lot. We're going to pivot to racism here for a second, though. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get off that, that sexual assault train for just a minute. Don't worry, we're coming back <laughs> to it. So two weeks ago, if you had asked a majority of NHL fans, especially like quote unquote woke NHL fans, mm-hmm. who their favorite team was outside of the team that they root for. Mm-hmm. A good chunk of them would have said the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, absolutely. You know, they've had a fun social media experience for the past couple of years, and they do a lot of community engagement. Ron Brindabor is a really likable coach. You know, yeah, they, they have spent a lot of media capital building themselves into this sort of paragon team. They were the bunch of lovable jerks. Yeah, right. They play football on the ice. Hey, yeah, <laughs> that's fun. Storm surge, yay. Well, now their storm surge is a storm front. <laughs> Yeah, they signed Tony D. Speaking of people who have gotten way too many fucking chances, Tony D'Angelo still has an NHL career. And part of the reality is is that Tony D'Angelo on the ice can be a pretty good player. And on one end of the ice, it's just not the end of the ice that he's paid to be good at. (laughs) Yeah, if you shelter him, he's shown he's a pretty decent offensive defenseman. And unfortunately, that makes him a hot commodity in the NHL, and the fact that he is persona non grata makes him cheap. And what do NHL GMs love more than cheap offensive defensemen? Nothing, actually. <laughs> they they also like vastly overpriced offensive defensemen as well, <laughs> Eric Carlson. This signing makes virtually no sense, and we right. all knew somebody was going to make this signing. Sure, we all know that Tony D'Angelo was going to land somewhere, but we're not really prepared to, for it to be on a formerly kind of progressive team and a good team at that. Someone consciously saying, Tony D'Angelo helps us be a better team on the ice 
next year after he fought his fucking goalie and after giving up an awful goal his goalie punched him in the face for being a dick <laughs> right. and then the team was so done with him that the new york rangers another nhl team or mm-hmm. franchise went fuck this guy he's never playing for us again that's incredible and then days into free agency they were like hey what about the racist guy that's kind of <laughs> kind of good at hockey? Can do we care about racism? No. Mm-hmm. How many chances he had? Four, five at this point. Well, those are all mistakes, though. So you know, <laughs> and it's and, a mistake that he's been a rampant racist his entire adult life. But if you listen to his uh, his media availability, he says he's just a competitor. He's just such a competitor that occasionally the racism comes out. Yeah, you know what doesn't happen when I get super competitive? I uh, don't drop n bombs. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. And, you you drop people, but not n bombs. <laughs> yeah, and. I remember being in my 20s and being all pent with rage. Mm -hmm. Don't let the current dialogue in this podcast fool you. This is calm, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like Competitiveness is not an excuse for being a racist schmuck. No. Like competitiveness is not an excuse for being a shitty human being. Mm -hmm. You know who else was super competitive? Michael Jordan. You know what he didn't do? fucking walk around being a racist douchebag competitiveness as an excuse for racism doesn't make sense and the fact that the carolina hurricanes were just like yeah we cool here no good one tony (laughs) (laughs) like let me give you that little chicken wing in the ribs (laughs) good one at the very very least as you pointed out to me in our text thread uh greg wasinski hit him with a great question and made him kind of disavow the january 6th insurrection that he maybe has some sympathies for otherwise. He might have been there. I don't fucking know. Like <laughs> He wasn't there, but his burner Twitter was. Yeah. Oh, his burner Twitter came back real quick after <laughs> uh, after he got signed. It was. Oh, like, yeah. Is oh, it back up? Oh, yeah. It popped up real quick. It was like the first comment on the Canes announcement that he for had real? signed. Yeah. NY Rangers fan 86754309. Yeah, mm. something like that. This is fucking bananas. Also, on top of the offseason that Carolina has been having, it's just like, what are you guys doing? They're kind of rudderless. They let a good goalie prospect in Alex Nijelkovic walk for virtually nothing. A third round pick. Right. And, and then paid handsomely to completely retool their goalie couch with kind of a used up Frederick Anderson and oft injured anti Ranta. Ranta. Like, right. Two talented guys, but neither one of them tends to finish seasons they better sign a third goalie (laughs) they i hope to god they have a third goalie they like they did this they traded jake bean to columbus for a second round pick for fucking nothing apparently they right one of their better defensive prospects yeah apparently they're like nah we're good like we don't need young offensive defensemen oh i know we'll sign tony (laughs) d'angelo we have a younger non-racist forward or offensive defenseman or we can get an older racist locker room cancer defenseman (laughs) whatever shall we do i wonder if there's a betting line in vegas on like tony d incidents per 60 or something like that like if he finishes the season i don't know i would be willing to place money on him landing exactly where the rangers had him last year I, I almost guarantee he finishes the season in Carolina, though. On best behavior. He'll be he'll be on his best behavior. This is his chance to get another contract. Mm-hmm. He'll sign that contract somewhere, maybe with Carolina, but they're super cheap, so maybe elsewhere. As long as he does not embarrass the GM and coach there, he'll be fine for contracts. Well, I mean, like... Well, Sean McIndoe 
talked about this on Puck Soup a couple of weeks ago where like Logan Mayu has to like say the things he's saying because mm-hmm. he can't embarrass an NHL GM if he wants another chance. Exactly. But like Tony D'Angelo is a walking, talking, racist, N bomb dropping example that that shit doesn't matter. He completely embarrassed Jeff Gordon in New York. Mm-hmm. Completely embarrassed him. And they got lucky that his mega contract they could easily void set for almost no money so they got lucky there but like he embarrassed an entire nhl franchise and they were like oh no no that's cool carolina was like this is fine i guess we'll transition back to sexual assault now Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, we could only stay away from sexual assault on this podcast for so long unfortunately because the nhl just keeps serving it up so jake vertanen he of one civil suit i believe against him Mm-hmm. in vancouver maybe more uh allegations behind the there, scenes but there one are, uh yeah there are re- reportedly several other women who are who have had this experience with jake for mm-hmm. one civil suit his agency put out a statement saying that this was all about money and all about slandering jake's good name and it's like first off do you know what a civil suit is <laughs> yeah it's about money you fuck and the Police are investigating, but they're operating pretty slowly and kind of ham-handedly because, I mean, the accuser didn't originally mean for this to get out into the public, and she was sort of outed in social media circles. And so, like, that a criminal investigation has taken some time to get underway doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's being ostensibly used by Jake for Tannen's management to say that, oh, this is a weak case, which is not really accurate. Jake's a good boy. Give him <laughs> a contract. No, your your time in the NHL should be fucking done. Like, Hopefully. Well, but as as we've learned, mm-hmm. I, I just keep making shrugging faces at Evan, <laughs> like just like a painful shrugged. Well, like, the difference here is Jake for Tannen was also struggling on the ice before his uh before his sexual proclivities came to light. And so he may have a different outcome. Yeah. Than, yeah he's he would, not technically, he's not potentially as good as Tony D'Angelo, which or is Logan Mayu. It sucks ass that that is, you know, a metric that matters in these things. But unfortunately that's, it's the metric, right? <laughs> it's like the yeah. only metric that NHL GMs care about. Like they, like we want to think of our teams that we root for as like these paragons, Mm -hmm. but really all they care about is saving their jobs Mm -hmm. and they know that this shit will blow over. Right. So, or be someone else's problem if they get fired and, and yeah, have, you know, they're sitting and drinking in Cabo Wabo and, and watching the next GM have to deal with their mistakes. Yeah. And I, I'm just waiting for a GM to be like, well, uh, the previous GM signed this dude. He's he was an idiot, and we're upset about it, and so we're doing everything we can to get rid of him. I'm surprised we don't hear GMs throw the other guy under the buses like more than we do. Like you would think, like Ken Holland would have said something about Chirelli, but like mm-hmm. Ken Holland's doing just as bad. So like, if not worse, like but like the GM who comes in after Ken Holland should just be like. Yeah, uh, I so I didn't sign Darnell Nurse to this mm-hmm. eight-year, $9.25 million contract, despite the fact that he's probably like a 5 to $6 million defenseman. I didn't sign him to that, so uh, sorry. Like, 
That's Ken's fault. You talk to Ken. Yeah, I, I'm always surprised that we don't get more of those comments. But yeah. um, so, yeah, Jake Vertanen, like th- this is a really this is a scum fuck play by his agency to try and get his. And I understand why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. They are his agent. They don't get paid unless Jake gets paid. So they want to get their client back on an NHL team or playing hockey somewhere. It's also a bad look. I mean, I I think it probably hurt him more than it helped him. It's fucking atrocious. Because the statement is just transparently. It's victim blaming. Yeah. It's like it's it shows a complete disregard for the facts of the case and also for how the Canadian legal system works. Right. It completely misinterprets legal issues around the case for pr points with people that don't understand the law yeah and granted evan and i don't understand the law but guess what twitter does and so you know we've got sam from the broadcast i was gonna say she's basically my canadian legal analyst at this point yeah i might just hire her if we ever get into legal trouble um so they have been on twitter kind of just like rehashing these facts with the usual parade of idiots who goes on twitter to defend any man accused of anything slanderous Because apparently that's a thing that guys feel the need to do now. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like no, we have to protect every man from themselves. <laughs> every for one guy that gets accused of anything, there's a hundred guys on Twitter going innocent until proven guilty, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, well, that's not. Like, that's one legal standard in criminal cases, and there are several other legal standards like preponderance of evidence and clear and convincing evidence, and also like. You can believe a survivor's case mm-hmm. like you can you can like listen to them and be like, I believe you. I'm here for you and still let legal due process happen. It's one thing to be critical of the facts of the case. And it's another thing to kind of ignore the facts of the case and just say, uh, this this person's out for money. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, dudes on Twitter, y'all suck. Uh, <laughs> but same as it ever was. It's kind of amazing the amount of times that our twitter feed has somebody mentioning hell site or hellscape of twitter and yet <laughs> we're all still there it's kind of addicting i think that's part of the reason um we love scrolling <laughs> doom scrolling 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 what i think the germans have a word for it it's called doom scrolling <laughs> so in chicago things have predictably gotten worse again with respect to their sexual assault and harassment scandal. There have been some slightly positive developments, if one could say that, in that the Blackhawks have publicly asserted that they'll make the results of their legal investigation by Jenner and Block public, which will probably allow more people to testify, which is, I think, in the end, a good thing. A couple of players have been continuing to give statements in the media and kind of eviscerating the team. Brent Sopel amongst them has, you know, continues and uh, Nick Boynton have both continued to say everyone on the team knew this was an open secret. You know, we dealt with it and, and kind of shoved it under a rug just so we could all play together. So several key people in this lawsuit have still said they're not going to testify because they don't believe it will be a, a completely independent investigation which is understandable. Including John Doe 1 right. and John Doe 2. Right. Apparently, Joel Quenville will testify or be deposed, and several other people will get more involved than they were, and hopefully that will help bring more truth out of the situation. Some details that have come out from John Doe 1's lawyers as we you know, kind of go through this weird public 
pre-discovery. Like we don't know that we're going to get to discovery yet in this case because of the Blackhawks motions to dismiss. So John Doe 1 has been putting out details in the media, like the insane story that he was threatened with a baseball bat while trying to leave Brad Aldrich's apartment and leave a situation in which he was being sexually harassed. And maybe the saddest angle that has come to light recently is that John Doe 1 was being taunted and uh, slurred at practice by many teammates because this was such an open secret and so many players knew. That's maybe the most depressing thing to hear come out recently because it, it reinforces that not only was the team aiding and abetting a sexual harasser, but like the players were putting it on the victim. And that's completely unacceptable. Every time something new comes out about this, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, we can only say so many times that all of these people should be fired. And right. like, it, 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 there just needs to be massive sweeping changes within that organization. Um, you know, unfortunately, only a few players have come out, have come forward and said that they knew about this. And, the, you know, we've had Duncan Keith shy away from comments and mm-hmm. kind of sweep it under the rug. We've had Jonathan Taves say he didn't learn about it until afterwards. Although, what would you expect the captain to say? I mean, he was always going to carry water for the franchise because that's what he does. And that's the kind of player I think he is. But and we can expect more. We can't, but I don't know. I think it, maybe it was cynical of me, but I never expected him to say anything besides something that was kind of pre-programmed. Right. I mean, that yeah and that's i i get that but like at the same time like we should like as as a people we should expect more yes. and want more from you know people like Jonathan Taves who are the captain of the team to come out and say you know what you're right i should have spoke up about this then mm-hmm. i'm speaking up about it now i guess that just speaks to how low my expectations were but well, yeah it was yeah. it was I still mean, disappointing bar, yeah the bar in all of this has been set entirely low and i can't wait to see what a bombshell this internal report that's totally removed from the Blackhawks, uh, <laughs> even though they're paying for it, it comes out and says it'll probably be a whole bunch of nothing. And then we'll just, you know, we'll start this cycle of Jake yelling into a microphone over again. <laughs> it's it, it's it's an embarrassing, like just putrid thing for the NHL. Right. And, and to me, reading the tea leaves, seeing that. The Blackhawks intend to make it public. I'm like, okay, that means there's nothing. That means that, yeah, that means that it is going to be a, a probably a a rote exercise in self-excusion. The thing about this is the NHL could have already ended this. The NHL could have opened up an actually actual investigation like they did with our next topic, Evander Kane. Um, They could have opened an investigation, done it themselves and said, okay, this is what we found. And they, this could have been over. This could have right. been dealt with already. Instead, right. it's going to drag into the season. Like Chicago has done a decent job ish of like building a team that might be competitive this year. <laughs> but like every time the... they win a game, it's going to be like, oh, but guess what? They harbored a sexual assault uh, or a sexual predator. Like mm-hmm. this could, they could have already gotten in front of this, done the right thing. And we moved on. Right. If the NHL had stepped in and helped make this an actual independent if, investigation, we would get then depositions from everybody, 
you know, including the victims, and then they could publish an independent report. Or the fucking Chicago Blackhawks could have said, yeah, you know what? We screwed up. We're going to try and make this as right as we can now. We we cannot we cannot fix what happened in the past, but we can take steps now mm-hmm. to make it better now and done the right thing. And also said, we're also going to put these these standards in place so that hopefully this never happens again in our organization and right. become like a leader and taken a, a a step towards fixing what is you know what we've seen over the last decade is a massive problem in sports this like sexual predation by people in power mm-hmm. like they could have like chosen to be a beacon moving forward instead they're just like they're abstaining from all guilt or responsibility and just moving forward and parading women as if they, that makes them better. Correct. It's, it's a fucking mockery. So, (sighs) so Vander Kane. Yeah. He's been accused by his estranged wife of betting on NHL games, including betting on the San Jose sharks to lose, which most weeks is pretty good bet. Yeah. He doesn't even have to try (laughs) the betting things in the accusations were maybe the less important than the other stuff we heard in the accusations. Yeah. Let's just knock out the betting accusations Mm -hmm. real fast. We're not saying anything that has been said about Evander Kane or anything that Evander Kane has said about his estranged Mm ex-wife is true. We were letting that play out. They're calling each other names and saying each other is mentally incapable and and it's ugly. Yes. So if Evander Kane did bet on hockey games that he played in. It doesn't seem likely that he did because he also had one of his best seasons last year. Correct. He had a very strong season. He was actually one of the few people on the Sharks who had a strong season. Correct. And I personally am somebody who like thinks Pete Rose should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So like, and I'm not saying Evander Kane is a Hall of Fame player, but like, I I don't. Right, betting on betting on your team to lose when they suck, like, and you you personally go out and have one of the best seasons you've ever had, like, even if he did, like, I'm not upset about that. Like, no. is the NHL upset about that? Sure. Does it like destroy the integrity of the game? Sure. Is it written into his his union contract that says he can't bet on hockey? Yes. Should he be dismissed or whatever for it? Sure. Let the league handle that. That's fine. But the swiftness that they've come out with the investigation. As opposed to this Blackhawks situation, which is way worse, way more damaging for the team, the league, the victims, is just stupefying. Well, and their investigation is about whether or not he bet on games where the more damning things that have or accusations that have come out of this are that he's absolutely neglectful to his children and his wife. His wife states that she had to sell her wedding ring and her engagement ring in order to buy formula for their her do- their young daughter. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he's jet setting around the world, betting on shit and partying in casinos. And and then like they're at home in a home that has been foreclosed on and is going to get sold out from under them mm-hmm. and will have nowhere to live. Like if this is true, that's far worse. Right. And that shows a massive level of neglect, if mm-hmm. true, on Evander Kane's part. That's something that should be, that's the thing that should be investigated. Right. Like, from both like a legal and a league standpoint, 
people should be fucking looking into this. Yeah. And I mean, the reports about Evander Kane being kind of a degenerate gambler have been out there. You know, he's been in bankruptcy because of his gambling issues. So some of this is believable, but the most believable and damning parts are that he's functionally abandoning his family. Yeah. I wish that we could, as a league, focus more on that and penalize that. But unfortunately, they're not going to be, you know, the moral police that we wish they could be at times. Reports have surfaced that many of the players, uh, the I think the phrase several players mm-hmm. on the Sharks don't want Evander Kane back next year. And Shocking. Like, well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually one of the more defensible contracts that the Sharks have. Yeah, I was going to say $7 million for his production is not not insane. No, it's it's a fairly solid contract and he's 30, so like he'll be 34 at the end of that deal. That's a perfect time to get out from a 7 million dollar a year contract. He'll be 30 poor at the end of that deal. He's already poor. he's already poor. The NHL like as per usual has not shown itself very well in this or any other of these circumstances. All right, let's stop talking about bad stuff. Mhm. Some fun stuff happened, some great stuff happened. Free agency um, happened, which it, it's been the gift that keeps on giving if you're a uh, middling defenseman. if you Or if you are a fan of a team that didn't do stupid shit <laughs> over the free agency period. I don't know what that's like. I do. Finally. <laughs> after years of it not being my team. I guess I'm still a Blackhawks fan. but uh, Yeah, you're, you're wavering towards Kraken uh, fandom. Very quickly. Since we've already talked about defensemen, we'll just kind of get this one out of the way. Mm -hmm. There were three, four contracts for defensemen signed that were north of $9 million. Darnell Nurse, Seth Jones, and Zach Wierenski all signed huge deals. Also, Dougie Hamilton, but he's actually worth $9 million a year. Yeah, and his was a free agent deal, not a renegotiation right well i mean seth jones technically was too well right but wrensky was a re-sign and, and darnell nurse was a re-sign and then also cal mccarr oh that's right we had five cal mccarr deserves all the money that he yeah. could possibly make cal mccarr nine million dollars a year absolutely what is a correct signing also maybe a little bit of a steal to be perfectly honest like he should be one of the best paid defensemen mm-hmm. in the league and um, then seth jones saw that and said hey stan if you want to deflect from your shitty situation, you're going to have to pay up, buddy. Make it shittier. <laughs> uh, and so they paid him $9.5 million for the next eight years for a defenseman who had one really bad and two arguably bad seasons right in a row. Yeah. You know, a former kind of future Norris guy who's kind of been in the gutter the past couple of seasons. You know, in order to make that contract not horrible, he's going to have to be in the Norris conversation every year for the next 8 years, which is not going to happen. It <laughs> I'm just going to put that out it there. It might not ever happen. <laughs> no. Darnell Nurse making Norris level defenseman money is worse. worse. It's stupid. It's stupider. You know, Darnell Nurse had a much better year than Seth Jones did last yeah, year. Yeah, but he also He's not a $9.25 million defenseman. No, he's not very defensively solid. And he got a lot of good bounces from being playing with Nathan or playing with Connor McJesus and Leon Dreisaitl and, you know, that upper echelon power play unit. They signed Tyson Berry to a much more palatable contract and he gives you roughly what Darnell Nurse does. So, yeah, that's also yeah. like, and, and they absorbed Keith. 
Duncan Keith's as, contract. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they uh, have so much money wrapped up in subpar defensemen. Long live the reign of Ken Holland in Edmonton. Mm, it, it has been one of our favorite horses to beat Ken on. Holland did. I will get the Zach Hyman deal, I think, is a pretty solid deal. It's long, mm-hmm. but you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in their primes. You got to win now. You got to win now. And... And if you don't, he's not going to be there anyways. So I think the the deal for Hyman, like he's already going to be the best winger that Connor McDavid has ever played for, except for when Leon Dreisaitl was playing on his wing. So like it's, mm-hmm. it's a yeah, it's a it's a solid deal. Dougie Hamilton going to New Jersey is, I think, the most interesting of these. Yeah. And and then following up with New Jersey signing Tomash Tatar. And, yeah, uh, which was a, an excellent signing. He's like his his five five v five numbers are off the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the top like twenty players five v five in the league the last like four or five years. Disappears in the playoffs, but as was noted on Puck Soup yesterday, they don't really have to worry about the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So I really like what New Jersey's building there. I think their hues per sixty are really through the roof. It's a super young team, but in like three years, this New Jersey team could be very good. And I think that's what they're banking on. And they're banking on Dougie Hamilton kind of being a piece of their future core that they build around. It seems like a very good matchup there. Um, and, and they're, you know, they're a quick team. They're a fast team, transition team. And I think that matches up really well with his kind of yeah. defensive they have uh, a defenseman who can get the puck out of the de- out of the defensive zone either by himself or with a great pass. Like, mm-hmm. and he's very solid defensively. He's an excellent power play quarterback. He's one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. He will probably be a Norris vote getter this year. Mm-hmm. It's a great signing. Just on the other side of the tunnel, though, the Rangers have been pissing away what was a very good team <laughs> just because they got beat up by Tom Wilson. They traded. Pavel Buchnevich, one of their best goal scorers. One of the most underrated players in the NHL. Absolutely. To the St. Louis Blues for veritable peanut shells. You know, they, and then the Blues followed up by signing Brandon Saad. To a very solid contract. Yeah, very solid player, very solid contract. They let Mike Hoffman walk after kind of a disappointing season. And they lost Vince Dunn in the expansion draft, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. arguably okay. Part of the problem, though, is they are still old and contract heavy enough that they kind of have to move Tarasenko to make all of this work yet. But it sounds like that's just something they should do anyways. Right. He wants out, but uh, the problem is they just can't get much value for him, but they need his contract off the books. So it's going to be interesting to see where Tarasenko goes, because maybe it's a bit of a cash dump cheap deal for someone that can take him and like that becomes a more interesting reclamation project now you know if they absorb part of that contract that's only for two more years so like if you say we'll take two and a half million of that seven and a half million like somebody's getting a possibly reinvigorated vladimir tarasenko for five million a year like yeah it's worth worth the swing of the bat he also has a no trade clause though so right he's got he can go wherever he wants Speaking of weird salary dump trades for barely any return, Marc-Andre Fleury was traded variably in the middle of the night, finding out via his agent finding out on Twitter to the Chicago Blackhawks for a nobody defenseman. And he pouted about it for a good 24 to 48 hours. He was like, maybe I'll retire. I don't want to play in Chicago. But then apparently, you know, probably Taves and Kane like sent him some emails and and I don't know 
they, they must have gone full court press to get him to play with them. They're old enough to where email was still a viable right. form of communication. So yeah, that makes sense. Right. Kirby Doc maybe sent him a TikTok, you know, yeah. and, and he just he didn't get it. He couldn't like figure out how to download the app. Of like dancing and like changing outfits. <laughs> Hugging his brother that got drafted by the Blackhawks, yeah. which is funny. That was actually kind of a cute video. Colton Doc getting drafted and then Kirby like video bombing and hugging him and it was right up there with uh jack hughes's response to luke hughes going to new jersey jack hughes just starts vibrating (laughs) (laughs) with joy (laughs) yeah that's maybe the weird undercurrent in this off season two is like brothers being reunited yeah cal mccarr's brother got drafted by the avalanche right caleb jones got traded for by the blackhawks before seth jones got signed so the blackhawks have two sets of brothers in their organization New Jersey has two, or New Jersey has one, Colorado has one. I'm yeah. sure there's probably more brothers, but, you know, it's just kind of cute and funny. Canada has both of the Kachucks. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's been one of the craziest free agency periods that I can possibly remember. Also kind of dropped in Puck Soup earlier this week, uh, Marissa and Jemmy who is about to be the Seattle Kraken writer for the Seattle times, but mm-hmm. has you know made their name as they were a Boston correspondent for a long time, but mm-hmm. also do a lot of writing for the NWHL. Also big Duncan Duncan donuts aficionado as is everybody from Boston. Yes. <laughs> they dropped in this week's episode of puck soup that the big conversation points for the next expansion for the NWHL are Chicago, Pittsburgh and Detroit. Detroit after being, Montreal. Yes, after Montreal. Detroit being the team that has the or the area that has the most advanced communications with the league. So, oh, okay. Connecticut Whale, I love you. <laughs> uh, and I always will, but if Detroit gets an NWHL team, I might be jumping ship. Awesome to see possible NWHL expansion coming up in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. We also have seen some PWHPA members going back to the NWHL, yeah. which has been interesting to see. First off, I don't want to pretend that I know anything about the, like, well, I mean, I understand the differences between the two factions, but mm-hmm. like, I don't want to under- say I understand the like animosity between the two really. Well, um, part of it has to do with the fact that we're coming into a um, Olympic season for women's hockey. Yes. So some NWHL teams are nervous about temporarily losing uh, players to the Olympic effort and, you know, like players that are on other uh, nations rosters. Like LaVisa Sealander and Sweet. Exactly. And then, you know, also the the PWHPA like gets more competitive and, and, you know, that they do kind of a a thing and not everyone survives that process. And so you're, yeah, you're seeing, some more players go between the two. And I think that's interesting and probably healthy for the women's side of the sport long-term. You know, ultimately we're not rooting for either entity to Mm -mm. survive. We're rooting for women's hockey to survive and to thrive. And yeah. So I, I think, you know, we're not like, we're not, we don't have a, a dog in this fight or a horse in this race. We're just hoping for women's hockey to continue thriving. And, and um, personally, I'm stoked to see Marissa come to Seattle and cover the Kraken. I think she's a really good writer. I think she's got really good takes on stuff and love the puck soup episode she was on. So really looking forward to her being closer in our media sphere. So we haven't recorded in about two weeks. And the as I was editing our last episode, Luke Prokop came out as 
gay uh, as uh, as a gay hockey player he is wildly regarded as the first male hockey player on a professional contract to come out Mm -hmm. he's a defensive prospect for the nashville predators yes he played i believe with the calgary hitman last year okay and signed a professional deal with nashville so we know we're late to the party here um but it's an absolutely amazing party to be at yeah Uh, this is such a thrill for you know people who want to see more uh, a more progressive climate in the nhl and Mm -hmm. the response to luke was overwhelmingly positive even on twitter like stories about it like people being like this is great. This is awesome. And then the occasional like nobody cares play hockey. And it's like, yeah, fuck that guy. But like, yeah, I was a little, I guess, pleased by the lack of that lack of saturation of the, the yeah, I don't care. Stick like to, stick to sports. And it was pretty cool. Uh, I didn't know this until more recently. The NHL donated a hundred thousand dollars to a foundation in his name to kind of support gay players of the future. And so, you know, we've seen, People like Brock McGillis, who have kind of come out as a gay man who played hockey and talked very candidly about how it really hurt his career and his life and his mm-hmm. like self-image to be closeted for so long because of, you know, this kind of like fear of coming out in a traditionally masculine, conservative yeah. and masculine environment and for Luke to feel comfortable in doing that and to be celebrated by the hockey community for doing so is really awesome to see. Like, let's like that is number one. Like, this is awesome. Well, no, number one is that Luke felt comfortable and he can now live his life how he chooses and how he identifies. Yeah. And moving into this fall, you know, we have an out. NFL player and an out NHL prospect for the first time ever. You know, I hope that this is one stepping stone towards fully inclusive leagues where people don't really give a shit if they have gay teammates or not. And if they have the fans before we don't really care about people's sexual orientation in sports. It would be awesome if pride tape didn't have to be a thing. Right. Like if like raising awareness for, you know, the the LGBTQ ia plus community in hockey was done just because we knew these players were there's no way that luke is the only gay player in professional hockey like right it's statistically impossible for him to be the only gay player in professional hockey correct And and creating an avenue for more people to come out and be comfortable you know living their life and living their truth is for Luke to take that step is massive. And, you know, hopefully the response to Luke coming out compels other people once they are comfortable to come out. And mm-hmm. yeah, the response has been heartwarming and the courage of Luke Prokop to take this step, just like Carl Nassib did. Kudos to them. You know, that had to be such a scary, heart-wrenching decision to to make and to identify yourself publicly like that you know just the amazing courage of these people to to take this step for for everyone else i'm really happy that they're for the most part accepted with open arms like it's been good you know it's sad that it takes pioneers to take Mm -hmm. that step but 
I'm super thrilled that we have some yeah. now and hopefully this can just kind of build and become a more positive, inclusive and welcoming environment across sports in general. But yeah. And hopefully like Luke st- sticks around, you know, hopefully he has a really full career because I think that would just solidify him, his place as a pioneer. I mean, maybe he doesn't have the longest hockey career. Maybe this becomes kind of what he's known for. And in that case, that's fine too. But we're hoping that, you know, he can become a force and and play in Nashville or wherever for as long as he can just to show that this league can be a welcoming place for the gay community. Another kind of heartwarming story that we saw in relation to tragedy that we heard earlier in the year, Pierre-Luc Dubois has signaled that he's going to change his jersey number to number 80 uh, on the Winnipeg Jets in honor of Mattis Kivalenix, who died this summer and from accounts may have uh, saved some people's lives in how he you know was killed with a, a firework an accident elvis merzlikens and his pregnant wife mm-hmm. were reportedly saved by mattis's uh, actions that day and mm-hmm. pierre luc dubois doing this it's a small gesture but it's a huge gesture you know yeah. it's, like let's continue to honor this guy who very obviously was near and dear to everybody in the Columbus Blue Jackets community. Hopefully, you know, his death ends up not being in vain. Yeah. And it's a good way to honor him. Nice small step. Uh, You know who isn't beloved by the Columbus Blue Jackets community? I have a guess. Uh, John Tortorella. I was going to go with Seth Jones, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of rats fleeing that sinking ship, but uh, a lot of draft picks coming back in so you know we'll see what what gm jarmo can do that dude has been working people he has been working people uh but john tortorella signed on with espn to be a commentator and so now we're gonna look for john butchagross and greg wasinski to be you know blocking more shots and going hard in the corners do you remember the last time john tortorella was on tv was it when he was trying to fight people in the uh vancouver locker room no it was just like boring (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know who's gonna be more boring white man hockey coach between him and uh mike babcock babcock for sure yeah that dude has no personality but babcock is easier to make fun of because you can you can do the you can do the babcock voice uh well and i I can't do a a a angry torts voice give it some time (laughs) i'm just gonna give it a youtube video and and in my head, he's kind of like a, a maybe like a John McEnroe. Like, you cannot be serious. But um, other interesting minutiae around the league that I kind of wanted to talk about. Half-brothers Quentin Grimes and Tyler Myers become the first sibling duo to play simultaneously in the NBA and NHL. Tyler Myers being in the NBA. <laughs> Tyler Myers should just, be in the just NBA. <laughs> that dude is tall. He's he's too slow for the NBA, actually. <laughs> He gets stuck in those, those, uh, what, three-second court things all the time. <laughs> Three-second violation. Actually, Tyler Myers might not be tall enough for the NBA at this point. Isn't he 6'7"? Six, yeah, 6'6", six, six, something mm-hmm. like that. He but, could be a guard. Yeah, he, he's like a small forward. <laughs> uh, but that just speaks to, you know, what ridiculous family they must have in terms of sports. Like, it, that, that's got to be cool. To and, have. and also, if you dream of being in the NBA, be tall. Because <laughs> ain't no Muggsy Bugs or Spud Webb showing up in the NBA anymore. Like you got to be like six four. 
you know who else is incredibly competitive? Who? Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, he uh, made some news this week. Well, he didn't make some news. Well, Nikita Zadorov made some news. He made the news this week via Nikita Zadorov giving uh, comments in a Russian interview about how, you know, McKinnon is kind of Jordan-esque. Like, we know this. Um, But Nikita Zadorov's details were very, very interesting. Um, He is, you know... Like every other high-level athlete, he's got like a live-in nutritionist. He pays a lot of money for to eat really well, takes care of his body, doesn't drink, you know, drinks all this water. Um, but then it kind of goes into the the Captain Serious psycho realm when you realize that he uh, imposes some of these things on other players. And by other players, we mean everybody who plays for Colorado. <laughs> In that he got like unhealthy snacks and ice cream and stuff like removed from the avalanche's uh nutritional options can you imagine getting busted by him like eating like chicken skin (laughs) (laughs) like him just coming in and just like wailing on you (laughs) with tears in his eyes imagining like a a ice cream truck rolling up to what is it ball arena that they play in now and and him like flipping it over like he-man yeah or i was thinking like making like the rock and standing tall and just like whacking its tail lights with a four by four and (laughs) saying like you need you need to get that fixed or like the the cops and porkies (laughs) (laughs) it it, i don't know it's been dunked on in the media this week and it's been really kind of funny and and wholesome because you know this is cute like it it's funny when a guy does the research and and takes away all the white sauce from the team these little quirks of athletes are always kind of fun to see that nathan mckinnon takes it perhaps a little too far is so much so as to not make the sport enjoyable for people Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's humorous and as those of us who play hockey and abide by none of these rules you know that sucks (laughs) this has been a fun cute story to follow and and like also makes you just wait for the Colorado Avalanche this year that much more because you know he is dialed after that painful playoff exit. Tampa Bay is number one until they're proven otherwise, but Colorado is not that far behind. So it'll be the NHL is going to be wild this year. I can't wait for it. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. I mean, we've got this compressed off season and then now we're going to get 85 games of crazy after only getting 56 games of crazy last year with the olympics in the middle oh yeah if we go to those yeah (laughs) all right everybody i think that does it for us today uh thank you for your patience as we said earlier as we uh you know just got some stuff out of the way so we could come back to you full steam for episode 41 it's the off season for us too yeah yeah we're 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 gonna show up whether you like it or not but (laughs) it might not be when you expect Thanks always for listening. You can find us all over the internets. Our website is handsomehockey.com. You can find us on Instagram at Handsome Hockey Podcast, at Handsome Hockey on Twitter, or handsomehockeypod at gmail.com if you would like to message us in ways that millennials understand, but Gen Z does not. (laughs) You can also find us on the Handsome Hockey Facebook page. And obviously you're listening to us somewhere, but we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Red Circle, and YouTube. We will get this episode out to you as soon as possible. Thank you so much for listening and stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau, tous les mans.